Hello, welcome to the Ideal Nutrition Podcast. This is episode one, and I am one of your hosts, Aidan Muir, and I am here with my co-host, Leah Heigl. And because it's episode one, we wanted to keep it pretty broad. So what we're going to be talking about today is peri-workout nutrition. So nutrition, pre-workout, intra-workout, and post-workout. Because pretty much everybody who follows us does some form of training, thought it'd be pretty relevant, so we'll start there. Leah, do you want to kick us off with pre-workout nutrition? All right, so kicking it off with pre-training nutrition. So keeping it pretty simple, first thing you want to do is try to have a fairly decent meal two to three hours before heading into your training session. Ideally, this would be pretty carbohydrate-rich, but lower in fats and fiber, so the things that are really going to delay digestion. So you want that carbohydrate availability to happen around the time of your session. So the more fat and fiber you have in that meal, the the slower it will generally take to digest. Um, In regards to protein in that meal, you don't have to be too mindful. The, The further away it is from your actual session, the higher it can be in those things that do delay digestion. You will want something kind of close to your to your session, some a carbohydrate rich snack, within one to two hours before starting. So ideally, twenty to thirty grams of really easily digestible, quick acting carbohydrates is what you want there. So you could go for something like fruit, rice cakes and honey, a jam sandwich, even on kind of a lower fiber white bread would be a great option, or something like a muesli bar. Um, And again, that's kind of close to the session, one to two hours. Uh, The closer to the session, again, the lower you'll want it to be in things like fibre and fat. The big thing I would add to that is making sure that you feel good for your training session. Like that's the number one priority. Like I wouldn't overthink this too much. And it's pretty individual as well. Like I have met some people who if they, they're pretty rare, but if they did that exact same protocol it would be too close to a session. Like they'd feel like they'd need to throw up during the session or alternatively for some people, they can eat a massive meal pretty much right before they train and feel fine. So it is pretty individual, but like that's the gold standard. That kind of protocol is what has worked well for most of my clients. Another thing I'd add onto this, and this is going to line up with the whole concept of like peri-workout nutrition as well, is you don't prioritize this above other important things. Like, the big one that comes to my mind whenever we talk about this and being like, oh, I have a meal two to three hours before you train, is people are going to talk about sleep and they're going to be like, oh, but I train first thing in the morning. And obviously you don't sacrifice sleep to get in this meal. Like you don't wake up super, super early to get this meal in like three hours before you train or whatever. Use a little bit of common sense. Sleep's super important. So you make sure you prioritize that. And maybe in that scenario, you could have something small before you train, like that small snack Leah was talking about, like a piece of fruit, rice cakes, um, toast or something like that. Um, And the last thing we kind of wanted to touch on with that as well is also just being like, it's fine to train fasted. Like, it's not ideal for performance. Like, if you're trying to get the best out of your session, you probably don't want to be doing that. If you're going in for like a massive like deadlift session or something like that, probably not the best idea. But... If you have to do it, it's going to be better than not training. <laughs> like it's, it's still a no-brainer. Like it's not the end of the world. It's just not perfect for performance. Um, is there anything else you want to touch on with that? Did you want to talk about the whole like train low, sleep high kind of, or sleep low, train high kind of concept or anything like that? Yeah. So uh, a lot of endurance athletes, well, many endurance athletes will use this concept of training low. So meaning that they're going into their training either fasted or they're having a meal that's pretty low in carbohydrates and maybe it's just a protein-based meal. 
basically they're using that in order to for their session to have certain adapt adaptations so that they're able to burn f- uh, fat as a fuel more effectively. It's questionable whether like how effective that actually is, but some endurance athletes will use that protocol. Yeah, it makes sense because like there is there is low carb adaptations that occur. There's a reason why people do it. There's a reason why it's not like if you look at the data, like, yes, higher carb diets seem to come out slightly superior for um, performance and stuff like that, but it's not like this massive, massive difference. And part of that's because there is some positive adaptations that occur. So some people do it intentionally to try and get the best of both worlds. Um, I'm still not fully sold as in I'm not seeing data showing that that's coming out superior, but, like, the goal of that is basically, like, some of your sessions you could go into in a low-carb state, other sessions you go into a high-carb state, you kind of get the best of both worlds. Not really relevant for like resistance training athletes, like strength athletes and stuff like that. I can see it for endurance athletes, but it's also not something I'm practically using on a regular basis as well. But that also kind of feeds into the concept of where I was talking about being like, oh, it's okay to do a like fasted session every now and then. Because particularly for endurance athletes, there's some people who are intentionally going out of their way to do that anyway. So it's pretty fine to be doing that. Um, the next thing we're going to talk about is during training so intra-workout nutrition we're probably just going to focus mostly on lifters for this one like I feel like that's the most relevant like for people who are endurance athletes and are doing say two plus hour sessions I think it's a good idea to have carbs coming on during the session but I feel like that's a separate podcast in itself I mostly want to be talking about kind of shorter sessions um, less than two hours and probably just kind of your stock standard kind of workout whether it's um, general workout or whether it's like specifically somebody doing like powerlifting style training which is obviously our biggest interest um, for powerlifters Leah do you reckon there should be anything had intra workout for most people no I mean outside of competition day maybe a very long training session if you're training for like three plus hours maybe maybe there's some some argument there that you'll have something small like you will see lifters with lollies in the gym yeah so i think there's a time and a place but most of the time you just don't need that carbohydrate availability for strength training yeah and a conversation that like we've both kind of had is like we care about our own lifting and if we thought something mattered we'd do it and like we both do two-hour sessions and we don't have intro workout stuff like definitely not it's it's not a, it's not a big priority but i'm also not against it one of the things i want to touch on is Um, A little bit about glycogen. So glycogen is the storage form of carbohydrate or it's the storage form of glucose. And glucose is our best fuel source when training. Part of the reason why we say this intra-workout stuff doesn't really matter for lifters is partly because it just doesn't seem like glycogen matters that much. But there is a little bit of research to kind of make it seem like it still matters a little bit. Like you should still care about your carbohydrate timing both pre or during it could be either or it doesn't have to be both Um, and some of the research I wanted to touch on is the fact that when most people say glycogen doesn't matter for lifters they're typically talking about studies where people have done like three sets of curls to failure and that led to like a 24% decrease in glycogen or the other most commonly one that's referenced that I see is a study that had six sets of 12 rep max leg extensions to failure And that resulted in a 38% decrease in total glycogen. But even if you dig deeper through those studies, it probably makes it seem like glycogen matters a little bit. Like with that 38% decrease in total glycogen, firstly, that's only six sets. Most lifters are doing more than six sets when they're training legs. Like it's going to be a little bit more than that. And that was also total glycogen. A lot of that depletion came from type 2 fibres, which therefore means it's actually a lot more than 38% that has actually gone on. And... 
to dig a little bit deeper than that as well, it's not exactly like a fuel tank. Like I used to talk about glycogen in terms of it being like in a marathon, people hit the wall and hitting the wall is when they run out of glycogen and that's when race time slowed down. It's not actually that clear cut though. It's more of like a, as glycogen kind of depletes, performance drops off. So if you had come into a session under-fueled and you didn't have much glycogen to start off, or you weren't completely fully stocked up on glycogen, you can make an argument that intra-workout nutrition could help you for those last couple of reps and sets here and there. And the other thing that I also want to touch on is you want to feel good when you're training, which is going to lead to something I'm going to talk about a little bit later as well. But like, you want to feel good when you're training. And... (laughs) Some powerlifters get hungry in their session <laughs> and literally just eating something will make them feel better when they're training. Um, did you have anything to touch on with that or did you want to talk about the next thing we kind of want to talk about, which was like intra-workout BCAAs or essential amino acids or anything like that? Yeah, no, I think you covered glycogen pretty well, so happy to move on to, to the rest. Yeah. So BCAAs um, or EAAs, do you think any benefit from those intra-workout? Look, if I, I always think that the priority is looking at your daily intake and and prioritizing hitting your protein requirements over taking any kind of essential amino acids or branch chain amino acids. The research for for those particular kinds of supplements in strength training really only show an effect when your protein intake is inadequate. Um, so I think your, your daily meeting your daily requirements means a lot more um, and I'd probably pass on those for sure. Yeah, 100%. Like if you're getting high enough total protein intake, particularly if it's around training as well, you've just got this abundance of essential amino acids anyway. Like it's just adding these essential amino acids or BCAAs, either of those two. They are separate things, but it's almost interchangeable. Um, You're just adding more of that onto something that you've already got an abundance of anyway. What I was saying that I want to touch on again, though, is feeling good when you train. This is pretty anecdotal, and I have met quite a few people here and there who've been like, oh, yeah, I just feel better when I have them. And I like the taste of them, blah, blah, blah. And they have them. And I'm like, I'm not opposed to that. Like, if you legitimately feel better at the end of a two-hour session because you had that, sick. Like, it's, it's probably helpful. Like, it's not because it's magical. It's not because it's helping you build muscle or anything like that. But if you feel good, like, go for it. Like, it's not the end of the world. Like, I'd, I'd encourage doing stuff that makes you feel good. Um, which leads us on to the next topic. So, post-workout nutrition. So, I think I'll start with that one. I just want to talk about Obviously, the big thing most people talk about is protein and the anabolic window. Um, I'll kick it over to Leah with how much, assuming this anabolic window is a thing, how much protein should we be having in that anabolic window? Yeah, so so ideally, we'd be getting about 0.4 grams per kilo body weight of protein within somewhere within that window. So in terms of what that window is, it's three to five hours around your training session so you can have your your protein pre-training or post-training as long as it's somewhere within that window um, i try to make sure it's a high quality source of protein um, so particularly if you're say plant-based you're going for protein combining or you know looking at soy and then if you're not plant-based going for your animal protein sources predominantly so making sure it is high quality and you're getting enough for most people probably around 30 to 40 grams would you say that would be adequate i'd say i'd say for smaller people maybe 20 grams but larger people up to 40 grams and this is a pretty key one to like it's actually worth like sitting down and actually looking at this like i see a few people on instagram being like oh yeah i had peanut butter on toast post-workout as a good protein source to replenish my muscles or I had like two eggs or something like that. And like when you do the maths on that, like for both of those, those come out as about 10 grams of protein. And it's like, you're really not ticking this box if you're not doing that. And like, 
it's it's not a hard box to tick. Like it's just like have some form of protein around the time that you work out. It's not the most important thing. Like total protein intake is so much more important than doing this. But it makes sense to do this. And I suppose the other thing that I also want to touch on that is like we talk about numbers like 20 to 40 grams of protein. You can go higher than that. Like that's fine if you go higher than that as well. This is more about a kind of minimum number that you want to tick or a good amount that you want to hit to kind of optimize muscle protein synthesis or muscle growth post-workout. The other stuff that we should really talk about is carbohydrates. Carbohydrates post-workout, do you think they matter? It depends. It depends on when your next session is. Uh, if you're, say, a strength training athlete, so talking in that context, and you're training kind of once every 24 to 48 hours, replenishing those carbohydrates right away, not super important. I'd be more focused on your day-to-day intake and just meeting your general daily requirements. Um, although if you do have a session coming up, so say you're an endurance athlete, you train multiple times a day, different modalities, then there could definitely be an argument there that you should replenish your carbohydrate or glycogen stores directly after a session in preparation for your next one. For sure. Sums up pretty well. I, I don't know if you touched on it. I kind of zoned out while I was trying to read the next section, but I was <laughs> I was looking at it in terms of um, muscle protein synthesis. Some people talk about, did you touch on muscle protein synthesis? I did not, yeah. Yeah, cool. So muscle protein synthesis, um, some people make the claim that because adding carbohydrates helps to spike insulin, which will shuttle protein into your muscles. Like some people talk about that, but like it doesn't matter. Like it doesn't really, if your protein is already high enough, it doesn't seem to add any additional benefit to that. And Protein also raises insulin. Like protein itself does the same kind of job. And what really matters and what we really care about is outcomes. It doesn't seem to make any difference in terms of muscle growth by doing that. It's more just about hitting your total carbohydrate kind of needs over the day unless you've got that additional session kind of coming up. Um, The last topic that we'll touch on before really wrapping this up is hydration. So just a bit of a summary on that. This is honestly an easy one. Leah, what's important with hydration? I think a lot of people overthink hydration. Uh, it's really basic. You you drink to your thirst and that usually covers most of your bases. I would say for most athletes there, it might be reasonable to just keep an eye on the color of your urine, making sure it's mostly a straw, pale yellow to clear even. Uh, but outside of that, I wouldn't have a very specific plan in regards to hydration for a lot of sports. If you are doing endurance sports where dehydration could be more of an issue during training and during sessions, I'd just say generally as a a good rule of thumb would be to avoid losing over 2% of your body weight from dehydration. Cool. So basically total daily intake is far, far, far more important than peri-workout nutrition. It still matters. Like if you're trying to do every single thing you can, it makes sense to do this. But like, I'm not joking. Like I I have worked with some clients who like have prioritized this above everything. And they've been like, I'm not going to name names. There's one client I was working with who was having over 100 grams of sugar around the time of their workout because of this whole glycogen kind of thing. And they weren't able to get enough protein because they kept overshooting their calories because they're having a ton of sugar around their session. It's like, we've got to use a bit of common sense. So don't prioritize this, but it, it can be that thing that takes you to the next level. It can be that thing that allows you to have better performance. And if you have better performance every time you step in the gym or every time you train, like that's surely going to carry over to things down the line. Um, is there anything else you wanted to add to wrap up with this, Leah? No, I guess you, you've wrapped it up pretty well in just saying that your total daily intake is the priority nutrient timing is a secondary thing so you've really got to tick that first box before moving on to the second and again just not overthinking it 
Awesome. Well, this concludes episode one. If you guys have any feedback, this is our first podcast. I don't expect it to be great, but if you have feedback, we'd love to hear it. So hit us up on Instagram. That's the easiest way. So at Aiden underscore the underscore dietitian or for Leah at plantstrong underscore dietitian. Beyond that, the classic wrap up of a podcast, if you can rate and review us on iTunes, that would also be incredibly appreciated because apparently it's super important in the first couple of weeks to get all of these ratings to get onto the charts and stuff like that. And apart from that, just want to say thank you to everybody who listens. Like, I really appreciate that. And I am super grateful for any form of support and stuff like that that we get with this podcast too. Uh-huh.